Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. John Dean served as White House counsel for Richard Nixon from 1970 to 1973. His Senate testimony during the Watergate scandal helped lead to Nixon's resignation. For his latest book, he has partnered with psychology professor Bob Altemeyer for a look at our current president. And after drawing on special science findings and public opinion polls to analyze Trump and his stubbornly loyal supporters, they argue that Donald Trump is making Nixon's authoritarian behavior look tame. Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers is published by Melville House, and I'm very pleased that it brings John Dean to our show now. Welcome. John, are you there? Yes. Ah. So pleased to have you here. The the president has said that he learned a lot from Richard Nixon. What kinds of lessons do you think he feels that he's learned? Well, you know, I read the correspondence between Trump and Nixon, and it was it was very curious actually uh trump had just acquired the new jersey generals and nixon fancied himself as something of a, a football expert and so after they got acquainted nixon kept sending him suggested plays that the generals should be oh, using on the football field so that that's sort of the extent of the relationship <laughs> There haven't been that many authoritarian presidents in our history. Would you include John Adams, Andrew Jackson, Woodrow Wilson in the category? Uh, I would. And, and now, of course, Donald Trump? I would. I would. Uh, there's a criteria that social science uses to spot a uh, an authoritarian leader type. Uh, they call them social dominators. And... They're people who have dominating personalities, they're desirous of personal power, they believe in inequality, and they're amoral. Well, if you take those four uh, criteria, you can certainly put John Adams in that category, Andrew Jackson, Woodrow Wilson, and Richard Nixon, and now, of course, Donald Trump is a poster boy. But on the other hand, uh, didn't Nixon claim the press was out to get him, Uh, the same sort of thing that we get now from Donald Trump? Very much so. In fact, he uh, w- he was determined to do something either during his second term or after his departure, uh, where he met with Roger Ailes and Chuck Colson and created something that's today known as Fox News. So <laughs> uh, he, he, he was not only... Uh, concerned that the press was out to get him, that they were unfair to him, but that there should be conservative media. And it was not terribly instrumental, but he was a, he was a catalyst to uh, getting a Fox lot launched. I'm going to read a, a bit of a long quote from you. Uh, when followers choose to believe a leader who demonstrably and repeatedly lies to them, ignore uh, undeniable contradictions in his rationales and back him to the max when he makes very bad decisions, when they turn a blind eye to obviously immoral and outright unlawful acts he performs, support him when he places himself above the law and repeatedly tries to undermine the nation's founding principles, and they generally think, feel, and do what he tells them to do because he is the leader. Well, we're really involved in something that approximates an authoritarian situation. 
Exactly. That's a that's a very broad description of of the type of analysis we undertook. We we didn't go at this from a political science point of view. In other words, what what level does a democracy have to slip from its moorings into authoritarianism and then start describing the criteria of what becomes an authoritarian government? We we think that people know when they when the moorings have slipped in a democracy but what kind of people are attracted to a democratic leader and that's the kind of people who will lead us into uh, authoritarian government so we look at the personality and the interplay of the relationship and tolerating this kind of misbehavior within the case of trump his norm-busting undemocratic conspicuously authoritarian behavior is is indeed not only appreciated by a lot of people uh, they find it uh, something of a tropism they're sort of uh, drawn to it and uh, fascinated and and like it when you say we uh, you wrote this book with Bob Altemeyer a researcher who's a specialist in authoritarianism he even wrote his own book about it so uh, was this a when you decided you wanted to look at the uh, the similarities between Nixon and Trump and especially Trump did you automatically search him out I've been on this subject for quite a while uh, I did a book in 2005 uh, it was published in six and uh, paperbacks in seven New York Times bestseller called Conservatives Without Conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and that book, the genesis of that prior effort, was the late Senator Barry Goldwater, who I had known all my life. His son and I are, are friends. We were roommates in prep school and remained friends for life. Uh, and after the senator left the, the, uh, the Senate, he was restless, and, and his son said to me, he said, John, why don't you and Dad do a book? It'd be a good exercise for him. And I said, sure. And so we, we talked about it, and he was very concerned at that time, publicly very concerned, and in a pretty nasty little public spat with the head of the religious right, Jerry Falwell. Um, he didn't think that polit- he didn't think preachers belonged in, in, in politics. He said, you know, he said these people are impossible to deal with. They won't compromise. They think they've got the word of God, and that's what's guiding their their politics. He said it's just it's just a horrible situation. And if they take over the Republican Party, uh, politics and government is just not going to work very well. So anyway, we started on the project. We came up with a title called Conservatives Without Conscience. And unfortunately, he got sick. Uh, the senator got sick. So I put the book on the shelf. Uh, he never did get better, sadly. Uh, but I then took, took the book back down and began digging deeper into uh, how the religious fundamentalism had become a part of the conservative movement. And that's when I found Bob Altmeyer. Uh, he pronounced, he has three syllables in it, I put two. <laughs> it's Altmeyer? Uh, it's, it's Altmeyer. It's three syllables, uh, and I, I've always uh, he, he corrected me about about eight years after I started using it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he is an expert on that. He, he taught. He's a, he's born in St. Louis, 
uh, went to Yale undergraduate and Carnegie Mellon for his Ph.D., and then uh, went up shortly after that, uh, went to Manitoba and started teaching where they gave him a lot of area where he could do his research, and his area of expertise is authoritarianism. So he has tested and probed and looked at these people for uh, about 40 years. The the, the science itself is about uh, 20 years older than his research, and so it's been going on a long time. And one of the reasons I went to him about this book, he was very helpful in doing the prior book, very helpful. His materials explaining uh, the, the science and uh, saving me a lot of time and in digging into it uh, and explaining it. Uh, and, and so I went to him and I said, you know, it's striking that nobody in the media is talking about this body of science that explains Trump's followers, uh, not to mention that it delves in Trump's own behavior. And he too was frustrated by it. And I and I have a fairly high profile, so I said, Bob, listen, let's do a book on this. Uh, my publisher doesn't want me to do it, but I want to do it. I think it's important. So I did. Uh, we did. And uh, it really relies on his science and, and my, uh, my effort to keep it from getting too technical so that it, it was, it's good for the general reader. It, it can get a little wonky. But uh, we kept it, I think, very unwonky. Uh, at least that's the feedback I read into the Amazon reviews that people are finding it a good read. And uh, so we brought this this science out, and it's now getting the attention it needs because you can't really defeat these people if you don't understand them. You got to understand that they're not persuadable by and large. They got to be voted out, and they've got to be back under the rock from which they emerged uh, because they just don't know how democracy should work and it won't work under them and fortunately there are not enough of them to have majority rule so most of our history while they've always been present uh, they haven't had sufficient numbers to to take and certainly control our government they do control other governments Uh, but this is a type personality that is present everywhere. And he uh, studies them by using questionnaires. But you you say that things have changed. Um, Would history have been different if Nixon's Republican Party had been more supportive of of his authoritarian tendencies, as the Republican Party seems to be on the whole, at least the ones who stayed in the party, uh, on the whole these days? Because there are an awful lot of never Trumpers, uh, you can't turn on the television without seeing somebody who used to be uh, an important figure in the Republican Party who's now critical of the president. Exactly. Uh, there, Nixon's numbers got down to about 30 percent that never left him, and that's about what we figure is the is the essence of the uh, authoritarian followership in in the electorate in um, with Trump it's probably a little high might be as high as 40 percent um, we've not had a demagogue as president before uh, so nobody could spark the and play on the national stage quite as much as he's been able to so he has brought them out and I'm sure his campaign 
while they have no knowledge of the science, they had no knowledge of it going in, uh, Cambridge Analytica did find people who were sort of sympathetic, but they, as I say, didn't know this science. But they know it now. And uh, we're quite sure that they're out busy registering people. Uh, and that's probably where a lot of this almost billion dollars has been spent, uh, just where they're quietly trying to get people registered. So we still don't think there's enough of them to to win and, and, and win the uh, Electoral College. Um, but we won't know <laughs> until it's tested. Well, everything is complicated further now that uh, the president has tested positive for COVID-19, although he's denied the science and um, somebody joked that we wouldn't know about it if he just followed his own advice and hadn't gotten tested. Yes, I read that on Twitter last night <laughs> and, and, th and thought so true. Um, apparently his symptoms are not terribly uh, incapacitating at this time. So we'll see how that all plays out. And, you know, it, it occurs to me that if, if, if he just has a brush with this and, and it, he's one of those who's lucky and does not get uh, ill by it, he'll even be worse on this subject. He'll say, ah, listen, I'm a tough guy. I've had this. This is nothing. Uh, so we don't, we don't even need vaccines. You know, God knows where he'll come out on this thing if, if he's not ill. It's a hoax. So, when, when Nixon became president in 1968, didn't he run as the law and order candidate? He ran on a promise to protect the public from the Democrats who would coddle the lawless. Uh, but how did he deal with the demonstrations against his policy, the, the anti-war uh, Vietnam War protests and the protests after the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. Do, did he uh, complain as much as Trump does today and uh, blame it all on anarchists? He, he complained about it. He did run on it. He did, however. Uh, Nixon was much more sophisticated about government than Trump. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump even has a good newspaper knowledge of the way Washington works. He's never had been in the military. He's never done anything in public service at any level. Uh, so all this is new to him, and he just finds it another uh, venue for his narcissism. But Nixon actually understood how the process worked. He was trained as a lawyer. He'd been in the House of Representatives. He'd been in the U.S. Senate. He'd been vice president for eight years. Uh, he'd argued cases in front of the, the Supreme Court, so he knew he knew how the how it all worked. And he almost became president when Eisenhower had his heart attack. Yeah, he, he was acting president exactly. Uh, so he'd actually been at the top. Uh, Trump, on the other hand, he just doesn't really have a clue. Uh, and it, it's frightening. I mean, the first three years here, it's been, will he do something that will end up blowing up the planet because of his ignorance and stupidity? Uh, or will he do it because he's, he, he didn't win and doesn't get reelected? I, I find him, a, uh, Trump's a very frightening character in, in government. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. My guest is John Dean, whose latest book is Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers. It's 
published by Melville House. And you point out that uh, he's consistently had a consistently solid backing ranging from 41 to 45 percent approval, which is higher than I pretty much any other previous uh, president enjoyed consistently. Um, some have suggested that their blind loyalty can be compared to belonging to a cult. We, I talked to my collaborator about that. Uh, cults have had varying degrees of actual scientific study. Uh, so we didn't go there. Uh, we know what authoritarians are. We know what authoritarian personalities are. We know how they break down. We explain that in the book. <clears throat> Do you say there are leaders. two types of authoritarians, leaders and followers? But yes. you say the followers are the more important element. Well, without without followers, a leader is a fool on a soapbox. <laughs> so <laughs> they yeah. become the more important. And that's where this science started. It was in the aftermath of World War II. Uh, a group of Jewish, uh, German-Jewish scientists immigrated from Germany to Berkeley and that's where they began uh, looking at this and asking, could it happen here, what had happened under Mussolini and Hitler in Germany and Italy? Uh, and their answer was yes. Uh, their initial science uh, was too heavily Freudian-based. As that, as that approach proved its weaknesses, uh, other scientists came in using the scientific method and looked at these personalities uh, through testing and, and what have you, interviewing, finding out the personalities, have them discuss and explain their their dispositions and what have you. <clears throat> so it, it, it became much more sophisticated. But it's really been going on since post-World War II. Uh, the first major publication was in 1951, a book called uh, The Authoritarian Personality, and that these are the, these are the uh, say the follower types, and Altmaier is one of those who came in with the one of the refined tests uh, in the early '80s, and uh, his testing is 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 sort of the gold standard uh, for determining authoritarian followers. So he actually breaks it up into two groups, the social dominators and the authoritarian followers. Uh, don't the people you call white social dominators prejudge and dislike almost every minority or disadvantaged group, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, Jews, Muslims, women, gays, lesbians, even the handicapped? Yes. <laughs> Lovely people. <laughs> uh, George Wallace the, campaigned against civil rights, but he did it a lot more subtly. He said he was defending states' rights. Uh, with with Trump, we get the sense that he's speaking directly to these people. Well, it's, they've gone. For, he's gone from a dog whistle to a bullhorn. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no question. Let me let me give you a profile of of the two principal types. There are actually three t types of personalities. There are the social dominators, who are the leader types. There are the right-wing authoritarians, are the follower types. But there's also something called the double high, uh, which are people who score high or show the same 
sort of tendencies and personality style as those who do test high, uh, sort of using typologies. But a social dominator is typically a man. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when talking about presidents who'd been social dominators, they're dominating personalities. They oppose equality. They desire personal power, and they're amoral. Those four criteria are the are sort of the baseline. But a lot of other testing has been done on these people, and they're intimidating type personalities. They're bullies. They're faintly hedonistic. They're vengeful. They're pitiless. They're exploitive. They're manipulative. They're dishonest. They'll cheat to win. They're highly prejudiced, racist, sexist, homophobic. They're mean-spirited. They're militant and nationalistic. They tell other people what they want to hear, and they take advantage of suckers. Uh, I actually discussed those traits uh, in in my book, Conservatives Without Conscience, um, back in 2006 when that book was written in 2007. When Trump arrived on the scene, people remembered my book and the paperback picked up instant sales. That's one of the reasons I returned to write about it, because I was not Trump-specific, and Trump wasn't even on my horizon at the time I I wrote about uh, the basic nature of these people. But anyway, the, those are the social dominators. Now, and, not and, they, and they are come across as, they also present themselves as very patriotic. But why do they believe that inequality between groups is a social good? Uh, this ethnocentric, almost tribal approach that's so highly self-righteous science doesn't know if it's nature or nurture uh altmeyer who has been testing these people for decades believes that it is nurture that influences them particularly with the the followers let me let me describe a right-wing authoritarian follower uh this is this is both men and women and they are people who are willing to be submissive to an authority. And then they become aggressive on behalf of that authority. They are typically highly religious. They have moderate to little education. They trust untrustworthy authorities. They, they, one of the things we explain at some length in the book is how they seem to put their thoughts into, into silos or into, into separate files where they don't conflict with each other, and they just are there to be snatched out at the time they need them. They have very few critical thinking skills. They're very narrow-minded. They're often uh, mean-spirited people. They're intolerant. Uh, They, too, are bullies. They're zealous. They're very dogmatic, uh, particularly about their religion. Uh, They're uncritical toward their chosen authority. They're very hypocritical. That they their inconsistencies are patent. They don't notice that one part of their thinking takes one position, and they can have another position that's 180 degrees inconsistent with it, and they will latch onto that as well. They just don't. They never seem to do any sort of self-analysis of this. Uh, Altmaier and, and, and and they in the case of Trump, they ignore. Uh, all the things that they supposedly are opposed to, like the draft dodging, the philandering, the divorces, um, exactly. his terrible business deals. So, exactly. uh, so, so there's a certain kind of uh, hypocrisy, you say, or is it just they don't care when they have chosen somebody to 
to be their their leader. They are hypocritical, and as I say, they are inconsistent and contradictory. Um, but that is just they don't even realize it in themselves. One of the things we to, because all this science had been developed, a lot of it with on college campuses, testing students, testing their parents, testing people in uh, university communities, um, some in Canada, some here. Uh, Altmaier said, you know, we really need to do to make sure this science is applicable, as I believe it is, to Trump and his followers, we really need to do a national test. I said, well, I'm, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a good friend of the Monmouth Polling Institute, which is one of the best. Uh, and so I went to Patrick Murray and and talked to him about it. As it happened, he had a project that was interested in the, sort of the same basic material. We spent many months and developed a, a platform and tested it first in New Jersey, where Monmouth is located, where the university is located, uh, and tested about 900 people in New Jersey. And it was turned out the best way to test them was an online survey where they literally they, and they respond to polling questions, but more importantly, they take uh, five different personality tests. It uh, takes about 35 minutes. And so after successfully running those tests in New Jersey, we did a national test, uh, had a pool of about 230,000 people from which we uh, selected 990 that ranged from total Trump lovers to total Trump haters. Uh, all registered voters, and they were given personality tests. Uh, for Altmaier, it was a <laughs> remarkable experience. It confirmed a lifetime of work. Uh, all this, all this testing proved out uh, to be right on on top. One of the one of the interesting things that emerged, though, is that the Republican Party is today the authoritarian party. That's where all these people have gone to roost both double highs and followers of authoritarian nature, they are self-proclaimed and proud Republicans. But, uh, but let me interrupt for just a second, because uh, something strikes me as odd. The, the, we're talking about social dominators and then also about authoritarian, authoritarian followers uh, the, who are submissive, fearful, long for a, a mighty a leader who will protect them from life's threats. Uh, these seem to be contradictory, and yet they all fill, fall into the same group that's, that is highly uh, uh, supportive of the president? Yes. What, what, these are the double highs. They're, they're people who score uh, as both social dominators but as uh, followers. Now, here's the Here's the, the problem. Somebody who's a dominating personality, you don't think of in terms of being submissive. Uh, mm -hmm. So how do they score high on both these tests? Well, what, what was discovered is that they are submissive when it's a, it's a more powerful person than themselves to whom they're submitting, where they in turn are bolstering their own powers and... and, and prestige and, and what have you by association with that person or that group. Let me give you a classic example that just recently emerged. Mark Meadows. He's now to, he's today Trump's chief of staff. Um, 
out this morning with no mask, <laughs> going out how tough he is. But anyway, Mark Meadows, as you know, was the uh, came into Congress as the major domo in the Tea Party. Uh, moved from there to head the the Freedom Caucus. He was he was the alpha dog. Uh, he was in charge. He's making all of the pronouncements. Clearly, a social dominator type. Uh, but yet, he became Trump's chief of staff, knowing that he's got to be submissive to this guy. Uh, you just don't you don't out alpha Donald Trump. Uh, he won't he won't he just don't last. Uh, so what's he doing? He's taking totally inconsistent positions. So he's willing to submit to get more power for himself and more authority. Uh, and this is what happens in this testing with double highs. Double highs are kind of duplicitous people. And when they take the test or in life the way they act, uh, they see themselves in charge. So they, they respond accordingly. They will respond like a ideal uh, authoritarian follower would respond. So the, they, the, this is a, dif, a distinct and, and unique third type of personality, uh, the double highs. We were also in the uh, MAMA testing stunned to find uh, how many double highs in, are in existence in the United States today. Altmaier thought they might be maybe 4 or 5%. Well, they're about 23%. Of, in the general population of authoritarian personalities, much higher than he imagined. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I remember Richard Nixon back in 74 and the final scene at the White House door and the staff lined up to say goodbye. Tiny tear in your shifted light He said, nobody knows me Nobody understands These little people were good to me Oh, I'm gonna shake some hands Okay, Somebody well, before we get back to my conversation with John Dean I need to talk to you about something very important for just a few moments. Like most public radio stations across the country, WBAI has been hit hard by the pandemic. And a lot of our longtime contributors have had to drop their support for the station for financial reasons, which is why we are asking anyone who's able to, in this time of crisis, make a contribution of any amount to help keep community radio alive and Leonard Lopate at large coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. And the way to do that is by calling 516-620-3602 right now or by going online to give to WBAI.org. Becoming a sustaining member of the station, what we call a BAI buddy, is a particularly great way to support us uh, without having to shell out a lot of money at one time. And we have a special offer for anyone who becomes a BAI buddy today in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large. If you call 516-620-3602 or go to give to WBAI.org today, we'll be happy to send you a copy of the book that we've been discussing, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers, by my guest, John Dean. It's our way of saying thanks. But uh, and all you really have to do is uh, is call 
that number, 516-620-3602, go to your computer or smartphone and visit give to wbai.org to sign up at the monthly amount of $10, $15, $20, whatever you're comfortable with uh, to be taken out of your credit card, your debit card, or whatever's easiest for you. And that's it. We will take care of the rest. BAI buddies are a great way to support the show and give WBAI a steady source of, of uh, income. But however you contribute, the important thing is that you do it now to keep this legendary radio station, the only station on the New York City dial that's completely listener sponsored without corporate underwriting, funding grants of any kind, no ads. So please call again. One more time, the number. 516-620-3602 or go online to give to wbai.org and please be sure to make that contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large and from all of us at this station thank you so much and now I'm I return to my guest John Dean who has written with the help of Bob Altermeyer uh, a new book published by Melville House called Authoritarian, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers. And you mentioned uh, their their childhoods as being a, a key factors in all of this. And you're right, Donald was shortchanged in the loving de uh, parent department. His mother had little interest in him and his father's affection was very conditional. So how important is an understanding of uh, Donald Trump's childhood uh, to this whole discussion. We didn't know that Mary Trump was going to do what she has mm -hmm. done. Uh, and while she doesn't appear to have uh, looked at the uh, influence this, his personality has on his authoritarianism, she certainly reaches the same conclusion that we did. I, uh, I gathered the information, and uh, Bob is a fully qualified clinical psychologist to 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 see who this personality is and how and why he operates as he does. And it's clear, uh, as Mary Trump says, it's the father. It's Fred Trump, was a very dominating, domineering, uh, rather unpleasant uh, figure who didn't, and Donald had very little love from his mother. She was ill uh, after he was born. And so the dominating influence on his life and uh, is his father, and this is the uh, this is the dark influence in his life. And it led him to become a social dominator. Yes, yes, without question, he's a he's a poster boy as a social dominator. <laughs> you mentioned religion earlier. Isn't uh, Trump the antithesis of some of almost? everything that Christian ministers preach about the qualities of, of a good person and, and living a righteous life. So why do so many evangelical Christians continue to overwhelmingly support Trump, uh, knowing, I'm sure most of them, that he really is, has very little of a religious sense himself? Bob Altmeyer, my collaborator, has spent about two decades studying uh, religious fundamentalism. Uh, he had a he had a, a professor partner in a lot of this area of study, but that's what drew me to him initially when I was trying to figure out for Senator Goldwater what was happening to the conservative movement and who were all these authoritarian personalities that were coming into it. Anyway, uh, the there is there is no question 
that there are stacks of studies that show there's almost no correlation between Christianity and morality. Uh, there is one would think there would be, but that just doesn't get borne out by the science. Uh, we have a separate chapter where we look at the the reason and why the religious right, uh, the Christian fundamentalists and the born-agains have been so attracted to Donald Trump because, you, as you said, he's the antithesis of what these people preach and teach as to how to live your life. Yeah, Trump is everything that they say you shouldn't be. Uh, and they were outraged by Bill Clinton's extramarital affairs, but yes, they give yes. Donald Trump a free pass. And I, I wonder how they're going to deal with uh, this this scandal with, involving Jerry Falwell Jr. He had to step down as head of Liberty University because of the sexual scandal. But um, do you think that he is really damaged uh, with well, his followers? We write, as we write in the book, uh, these people are, yes, uh, profess great religious affiliation and and uh, follow the teachings of Jesus uh, as their model. But when when it comes down to uh, what they want in life and what they how they feel they can get it, that Christianity gets set aside. That's the bottom line. Well, don't uh, some uh, evangelical Christians live together before marriage, get divorced, have abortions? They, one of the things we, one of the things that the uh, scientific study shows that these people are largely uh, right-wing authoritarians. So uh, hypocrisy lives right within them, and so yes, uh, they are not all they often want to think themselves to be. Didn't most evangelicals support Ted Cruz during the Republican primary race before the 2016 election? He did. That was that was he had that uh, group pretty well locked up until Trump came along, and they were impressed with Trump as somebody who would deliver what they wanted, which were judgeships, uh, reverse Roe v. Wade, and uh, their leaders liked the way that uh, um, he was a good fundraiser for them. What do you think might have happened had Trump double-crossed his supporters after he was elected and become more moderate to guarantee his re-election rather than uh, choosing to, to keep that base loyal and energized uh, rather than expanding on it? No, Ted, the what-ifs are tough. Uh, we don't know exactly. He might have been able to broaden his base. He might have been able to keep some of these people and add others. What he's done is keep his base in line, and that's all he's got. He has not reached out uh, beyond his base, and that's it. He's got a hardcore group of authoritarian followers. He's probably got the most solid, unified base any modern president has ever had. What, what the glue is, as our mama survey showed, what the glue is that holds these people together is prejudice. This is the most prejudiced coalition of people any modern president has ever had. So they love it when he is, demonstrates his racism and homophobia and what have you. This so has he freed people to uh, uh, embrace that? Because in the past, they might have been a little embarrassed. Absolutely. That's when they go to the that's one of the reasons rallies were so productive for him. And with his covid condition now, uh, less likely he's even going to be having these smaller rallies. This is where people could go and find 
their other uh, their brothers and sisters in thought and and action. Uh, a lot of people identified because they met each other at at the rallies and said, "Oh, well, there's somebody just like me." Why? Uh, well, has he been successful in in stirring up fear by attacking the Black Lives Matter movement and equating Antifa with the with neo Nazi groups? We, it doesn't appear he's stirring up fear. Uh, yes, fear is one of the things that uh, underlies a lot of the people who become authoritarian followers and and the social dominators. Fear is an underlying emotion. What he's really playing on uh, is prejudice. That's the easier uh, emotion to provoke. Uh, and it is, it is widespread, as I said. No president, no modern president, has ever had a coalition of prejudiced people like Donald Trump has. It's interesting that most of the authoritarian leaders of post-World War II, and even some before World War II, were elected to office and then uh, little by little uh, eroded uh, the, the rights of people and, uh, and made sure that they could stay in power. That's what happens. It's called democratic backsliding uh, by the political scientists. And we're in that mode. We, we, have a, we have an authoritarian leader. Anybody who doesn't think Trump is, is, is just not aware of what's happening in the United States. We are backsliding. Uh, the fact that the uh, Republican-controlled U.S. Senate has given, cut the slack they've cut for this guy uh, shows how far we have, have slid in the wrong direction. There are not a lot of Democratic checks. If, if Trump is reelected, Altmaier and I believe our democracy is gone. John Dean and a lot of his friends believe our democracy hmm. is gone. Uh, the, well, why didn't this happen when Nixon was president? Why didn't the, the party rally around him in the same way? Wasn't it in their best interest? Well, one of the things is Nixon was never the authoritarian in the form of, of, of uh, Trump. He, Nixon was basically an institutionalist. He believed in the court. He believed in the rule of law. Uh, he believed in the office of the president. Did not want it. One of the reasons I'm sure he resigned is he didn't want to besmirch that office. Uh, didn't want to have a... a, a uh, he would have never tried to do a, a, an authoritarian takeover. We weren't even close to that. Uh, this, all this talk about not respecting the results of the election, Nixon would have never gone there. He'd be horrified to hear this, this talk. Uh, what's going to happen is Donald Trump's presidency is going to make people re-examine Richard Nixon. I'm never going to be accused of being a Nixon defender or apologist. But Nixon isn't even in the same league of what's going on. And a lot of it is, is, is simple ignorance by Trump, where he has no idea what government is and what it should do, what public service is. He's there to serve himself rather than the American people. Uh, he didn't even run for office for any reason to uh, help anybody other than himself. It was a branding exercise is where it started. And he just doesn't want to give up the power. He loves the fact he's got deeply narcissistic problems. We know that. Uh, and he loves being the center of attention. 
Yeah, it, it, you're just never going to get him off stage. You're going to have to push him off. Uh, so this is very different than Richard Nixon. And the Republican Party of the Nixon era uh, was a big tent party. It went from um, progressives uh, in New York, people like Javits and Rockefeller, to conservatives who had come in from uh, the Deep South as uh, after Nixon, or excuse me, after Johnson signed the 64, 65 civil rights legislation. Former uh, Democrats, former Southern Democrats. The, the former Democrats started coming into the Republican ranks, yes. Now, uh, Nixon also won the presidency uh, with a, a majority of the popular vote. Uh, Trump uh, would not. He, he was, he, uh, Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than he did, so he won by the Electoral College. But um, people are doing the math now and not sure that he can even win the Electoral College. So can he win without vote suppression? Well, with all these charges of voter fraud and the intimidation that we're starting to hear? Probably not. That's probably why his campaign appears to be more he's running against re-election and the processes of election than he is trying to put forward any... He has no platform for what he wants to do other than get reelected. Nothing. Uh, I'll, get, I'll appoint your judges, your conservative judges, and I'll fix it, you know, is... is uh, but he's, you know, he's fixing his own mess that he just keeps making worse. So, no, he, uh, um, uh, he has no plans other than to try to get reelected, and he doesn't think he can get reelected, certainly by a popular vote, so his voter suppression is widespread. It's already started. And and surprisingly, no one from his party confronted him when he encouraged voters in, in North Carolina and Pennsylvania to cast their ballots twice, which is clearly illegal. Well, just like during the impeachment proceeding in the Senate, uh, as we say in the book, and look after looking at that, uh, he was judged by a body of his peers in the Republican Party. These are also authoritarian personalities. Uh, to them, power and keeping their power is far more important than a president who's doing what he should and not abusing his office. So they just they don't give a damn. I'm uh, curious about how uh, uh, Bob Altemeyer conducted his research. Did, how did he find the people uh, that he uh, would test uh, and, uh, and judge by his right-wing authoritarian scale? Well, it started with students, and then it started with parents, adding to that the parents of students. Uh, then he went out and did people like state legislators, uh, sending them uh, packages for anonymous testing. And people are, are are surprisingly willing to take these tests. Students do it because I think they get. Uh, I, th I think he told me once that they would give a uh, a half a point towards a higher grade if you did the series of testing throughout the sem the semester they were in his class. Uh, but he had he literally had thousands upon thousands of students. Uh, he's not the only scientist who who study this uh, studies this subject. I for example, relied on a lot of others with my first book. When working on this, I would send him uh, some of the few scientists who are looking at the Trump 
situation and confirming exactly what we came up with. And I realized uh, that when you have a leading scientist in the field, he likes his own science. He didn't want to uh, include that of others. So this is pretty much all his science. Even if Trump leaves the White House, will his backers remain a powerful force? What happens if a future president follows Trump's authoritarian tendencies, but is perhaps a bit more intelligent? That is exactly what we see happening if and when Trump is is out. Uh, these personalities are going nowhere. Uh, the, the, the followers craving the strong leader are out there. They've always been out there. And somebody who is more intelligent than Trump, somebody who knows government better, who's watching Trump uh, kind of fumble his way along, is certainly observing what's happening, whether it be a Ted Cruz, a Tom Cotton. Uh, they are two likely uh, social dominator types that it must be fascinated by what they're watching and thinking how they might step in and, and take over and, and uh, corral this group for their own. And now we have a number of people who uh, are running for office and are likely to be elected who have... Uh, promoted some of the ideas of, of QAnon. So how well, extreme yeah. can America become at a time when uh, the psychologists tell us that uh, child rearing now has changed and uh, uh, the, the kinds of the authoritarian personalities that were a product of the older modes of child rearing are no longer happening, uh, that uh, uh, Perhaps we, uh, we're even going to have a decreasing minority of these authoritarian personalities. Well, that, that, Forgive me that, for asking such a complicated question. That, that wouldn't be a necessarily bad thing. Uh, these personalities uh, have, a, have a place and where I'm sure that they are uh, helpful and productive in the military and uh, some in, in corporate America. But, uh, you know, there is, there is no real definitive answer as to how much nurture, how much nature is involved in all this, hmm. uh, whether it's just a disposition that can be triggered anywhere along uh, one's life or whether it really does need uh, the kind of parenting that a, a Donald Trump got from a dominating father who was ruthless in raising his his son to be a so-called killer. Uh, <laughs> we have just about a, a minute left, uh, but I, I do have to ask you uh, something I'm sure many people have asked you about, your reaction to the presidential debate. Did anything surprise you? It was worse than I thought. Uh -huh. I, I, got a, I got a text midway through uh, from a friend, then one from my son, saying, please look text me if anything interesting happens. I can't watch this. Uh, so I did, I did watch it all the way through. Uh, I, I think it's one of the, it should be one of the points that marks the beginning of the end of this presidency. It was a horrific uh, show. Uh, it, it was Trump who clearly it was unprepared, uh, didn't do it, you know, hectoring his opponent, uh, being a bully is just natural to him, so he doesn't have to prepare for that. Uh, but it was a pretty dismal, 
day for the American presidency. Although I suspect that if you uh, were to talk to some of the people who uh, were tested by Bob Altemeyer, they would have thought that he did a great job. He, in fact, oh, no didn't want to have the rules changed because he felt that he won that debate. No question, his his base probably loved it. Uh, they didn't want they didn't want Joe to get a, a word in edgewise. So they thought Trump was doing exactly what he should do is be a bully. They, 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 they like this. They, they probably uh, said, isn't this guy terrific? Uh, there's no question that uh, this appealed to a, a segment. Uh, but it also, I think, turned off more than it turned on. Oh, we have to leave it there, unfortunately. I thank you so much. John W. Dean, who's written with Bob Altermeyer, uh, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers, your latest book, uh, of course, we'll also be seeing you on television a lot because uh, you seem to be, you're a regular co commentator on I work CNN. For, I work for CNN, yes. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this show for us on WBAI. Good it's luck. Stay with it. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, special thanks to segment producer Deborah Freeman for preparing today's interview. And, and I'd also like to give a big thank you to our live engineer, Reggie Johnson, and my executive producer, Jesse Lent, for all of the important work that they do throughout the week. If you're new to our program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're available as an iTunes podcast. And don't forget to check out Leonard Lopate at Large on Facebook and Twitter. Also, our, our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com, where you'll find links to all of our past shows. And if you'd like to comment on a show or just to say hello, you can reach me by email at LeonardLopate at WBAI.org. Before I sign off today, I want to take just one more minute to ask you for your support for this station. If you care about Leonard Lopate at Large and all the great programs on WBAI, we need your help to keep this totally listener sponsored community radio station alive. So please go to our website, give2wbai.org, or call 516-620-3602 right now to show your support. And as I mentioned earlier, if you become a BAI buddy today by making a monthly contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large, we will be delighted to send you a free copy of the book we've been discussing, Authoritarian Nightmare, Trump and His Followers, by my guest, John Dean. But please make sure to make that contribution in the name of Atlantic Lopate at large. And we hope that you can join us on Monday when industrial hygienist and regular contributor to our show, Monona Russell, will take your calls about protecting yourself from the coronavirus as we head into the colder months of the year. Have a great weekend. Please stay safe out there. <music>